Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i em-power.com you're listening to ngsc sports radio hear us live on ngscsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, spreaker itunes tune in and much more for our latest videos head to ngsc sports youtube channel follow us on twitter at ngsc sports and like us on facebook ngsc sports we never stop. Oh, my God. Oh, my You're trying to get my ass in trouble. <laughs> Just show her all this money you're making, and she'll, she'll forget all of that. Right? He's like, well, I mean, uh, I'll pay you. I'm like, yeah, I hear you, man. I was like, well, if nothing comes up, I was like, I was like I'll just keep coming until I find a job or something. He's like, all right, that works. So... Yay! 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 Get money, get paid on episode 124 of the Foreign Affair podcast. That's Wait a minute, we... Green. We're going to have to edit that out because you know my wife's a huge listener of this show. <laughs> oh, yeah. There she is. That is McCalling Crime West Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. He's not getting in any trouble for that whatsoever. Welcome you to the Foreign Affair Podcast presented to you by NGSC Sports. NGSC Sports, we never stop. Also, our other great sponsors, I'm Next USA and Christy Rojas at I Am Power Spiritual Advisement. Uh, We have a big episode for you guys today, Premier League to talk about. Uh, A lot of matches taking place this past weekend. We'll be hitting those. Of course, we'll have to do our Champions League recap as well we'll be taking down news and notes from the world of soccer including talk again of another super league because why not because it'll it'll never ever stop we'll also hit watch for and so raw Wes let's start in the prem where uh our two teams Liverpool and Tottenham combined for 8-1 wins on the weekend yeah everything's great as long as we Uh, don't talk about Champions League right uh, we can talk about it. It's not. It's better than you think. Worse than you hope. <laughs> well, um, I'm just going based on your everything is great statement. <laughs> uh, it's not bad. We're hey, we finished third this year. We'll still be in the Champions League. Uh, let's go first five though for our Premier League. Uh, as we start at uh, Burnley, where Hull were quite bright as they got their start against Burnley, but it was actually Burnley who tallied first as Stephen Defoe uh, took a, a miscommunication at midfield by Hull, beat everyone from 20 yards out. It looked like Burnley was going to come away with a win after Hull missed chance after chance off the post, but Robert. Snodgrass finally proved Hull were not to be denied with a perfect free kick in stoppage time as it finished early one. Real Madrid's Robert Snodgrass. Excuse me, free kicks like that. Well, as we get to, as we talk Champions League, apparently they've got that covered, you know, after today. Uh, so it finished Burnley 1, Hull 1. Good result for Hull. Uh, Christian Benteke scored on his Palace debut with oh, a header. Oh, shit. 
Because, of course, uh, Daniel Ayala <laughs> responded for Middlesbrough for, on a header off of a corner, but Palace get their first win of the season when just after the half restart, Wilfred Zaha outran the defense at the back, took it from the defender, and took his chance well for the winner. That one finished Middlesbrough 2, or sorry, Middlesbrough 1, Crystal Palace 2. Sorry, Middlesbrough fans. Uh, Callum Wilson won it for the cherries of AFC Bournemouth in the 80th minute. <laughs> Against West Brom, hose a lovely back heel flip just outside the six yard box. Tell you, they may not always win, but they play some damn attractive football there. Glorious. Bournemouth get their first win of the season as it finishes AFC Bournemouth 1, West Brom nil. An uncleared ball led to a first goal for Diego Costa and Chelsea, but two quick Swansea goals put them down one in the second half. On the first one, Thibaut Courtois, who, going back to last year, has a huge problem with coming out and fouling people outside his penalty area. And that's exactly what he did to Gyufi Sigurdsson, uh, conceding a penalty, which Sigurdsson took for the equalizer. And shortly after, Leroy Fair stole the ball from Gary Cahill in the back. He, he might have fouled Cahill in the process, but we won't talk about that. Uh, and then beat Courtois one-on-one. Costa saved Chelsea again, though, in the final minutes with a bicycle kick goal. As that one finished Swansea 2, Chelsea 2. And lastly, Romole Dexter Lukaku, because he's a serial killer now, netted a hat-trick in 11 minutes in the second half against hapless Sunderland. They bent and then they broke. Everton enjoyed two-thirds of possession against the Black Cats as it finished Sunderland nil, Everton three. Now we hit five in focus. Wes, and what better place to start than the Manchester Derby on this past Saturday? It was the match that started everything as Kevin De Bruyne painted Manchester blue inside 15 minutes and Kelichi Inacho put in a rebound off the post for a second to put City up too early. Zlatan does what Zlatan does after a horrible Claudio Bravo mistake. I'm sorry, he had the game of his life. What am I talking about? Yeah. United had chances the rest of the way but couldn't find an equalizer. In the end, it finished Manchester United 1, Manchester City 2, West Pep remains undefeated. Josie goes down for his first loss as head man at United. Uh, City rampant the first half hour, but once United found that uh, that goal by Zlatan, which was a great goal by him, because um, of, of course it was, uh, United really grew into the game but just could not find a, an equalizing goal. Um, you know, talking about Pep winning on the day, Pep may have won on the field. But Mourinho won the first match of the day, and that was the handshake. Mm, uh, Where Pep looking a bit pensive, a little, what's this guy going to do? Instead, Josie goes over, gives the strong handshake, the warm embrace, and then finishes it in with a nice cupping of the ear slash cheek slash neck on the way out. Josie, once again, just completely undefeated in the handshake, did. Beautiful. But then the match started. Um... For United, they, you know, I don't think they were quite as bad as, you know, it was kind of made out to be. This match under a massive microscope, uh, I believe, I don't know if they've got the numbers or not, but this is believed to have been the most watched Premier League match. That's what I heard, in, yeah. In history. Um, in the United States. Yeah, yeah, of course, in the United, from a United States audience. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's what you get with, you know, two of the best bandwagon teams out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you know, probably the two most well-known coaches in the in the world. 
So, you know, that's what you get. And um, and as for the match, I mean, it was – I have to think it was a good match for viewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was some up and down, back and forth. Uh, you had big stars on both sides. Um the uh, the ginger Brazilian uh, who's actually Belgian we we'll just call him Kevin from now on sure uh, because he's he's that good and he doesn't need a last name he's just Kevin Kevin exactly ah <laughs> anyway um, <clears throat> you know he he found that opener which was absolutely beautiful uh, Zlatan gets Zlatan got his goal off of just a horribly played ball from Claudio Bravo you know. Um, Pep talked about how he wants a keeper who can play with his feet. Well, you know, mm. the whole point of being a keeper is that you can play with your hands because, yeah. you know, you're the only guy who can use those on the ball. And uh, unfortunately, that's where Bravo really struggled. Uh, gives one back to, uh, to Zlatan. Late on, I'm going to tell you, you know, United really had a fantastic call for a penalty. Bravo comes out, tackles Wayne, I mean, tackles Wayne Rooney mm-hmm. in the box. Um, I thought it was a clear goal-scoring threat, so to me, that should have been a straight red. And Bravo should have been gone. It should have been a penalty. It was not given, you know, Mark Clattenburg on this match, uh, mm. which obviously means that, um, you know, people got up for a 7.45 uh, Clattenburg uh, viewing of his refereeing, not the actual We're match. We're sorry, America. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Clattenburg lets that one go, and I actually not not that the giddiness inside of me was um, satiated by any means, uh, mm-hmm. but I thought United were actually a little hard done not to get a point out of this match. Uh, now that said, all the credit in the world to uh, City. They took their they took their opportunities when they got them in the first half, and uh, yeah, outside of Bravo, I thought they played a really good match. Well, and of course, the more talk about after the match came, of course, Josie being Josie uh, in his post game press conference saying, you know, maybe maybe I let the players down. Maybe the players let the manager down. Uh, there's been reports coming out that uh, newcomer Henrik Mkhitaryan uh, is is maybe not happy with him b- being played out on the wing and his representative saying, well, he, he was so good last year for Dortmund when he played in his natural 10 position until somebody went and looked at the actual numbers from last year and found that actually he played most of the time on the wing, either behind uh, Shinji Okazaki or uh, Abomayang over there in Dortmund. So it was, it was kind of odd for him to say that, but there, there already seems to be just a little bit of discord after after one loss at United. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying a Chelsea like revolt last like last year is going to happen immediately. But is is there reason to think maybe, Wes, that the honeymoon is already over a little bit no and one of the biggest reasons I say no is because you know the problem with uh, Mourinho at Chelsea was that he lost the leadership in the locker room Um, Mm -hmm. sorry the leadership in this locker room uh, Wayne Rooney can have the captain's band all he wants the leadership is Latin Mm-hmm. Who and, loves Chelsea? I'm not exactly, and I'm not saying that as a Zlatan Homer. I'm saying that because mm-hmm. he's such a massive personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been seen pretty much everywhere he goes. He kind of takes over, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and he is a Josie guy. So I think he just has so much influence in that locker room that I don't think he, he's going to let anything happen. And two, you know, while 
I, I will say that a bit of the United start has uh, is kind of like building a house on sand. I mean, the first mm-hmm. three matches, I believe, were what Southampton, Watford, and uh, Hull. Hull. I mean, you're not exactly talking murderer's row there, but they were off to a 3-0 and start. Um, I mean, they're, they're fine. You know, I don't think it's a big deal. But as far as Mkhitaryan in general, I mean, if you look back at it, one of the recurring themes at United over the last decade is them trying to fit a playmaker into the side, a playmaker like Mkhitaryan, like a, a natural number 10 like mm-hmm. a play behind the striker number 10, that's not really that, – that hasn't really worked well for them over the last decade. Rooney did it, sort of. But Rooney was actually more of a second striker mm-hmm. all those years. Like when he was playing with Van Persie, he was more of a second striker. Um, I mean, the most glaring is another Dortmund guy, Shinji Kagawa who was supposed mm-hmm. to come in and set the world on fire and ended up being sold back to Dortmund for pennies on the dollar because they couldn't fit him in at United. That's just kind of been a, you know, and that was the end of the Ferguson regime. That was obviously uh, David and uh, Louis Van. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither of them could make it work. So, you know, it's, that's just the spot where it's tough for United, it seems, for whatever reason to get a guy in who fits. Um, Mkhitaryan, as far as he's going, you can tell he's frustrated. He came in thinking he was going to, you know, hit the ground running and be playing from day one. Well, then he got hurt. And then suddenly Juan Mata, who no one thought had any future under Mourinho, well, damn, suddenly Juan Mata started playing pretty damn well. And, you know, just because you're – Mkhitaryan and you're the big money signing you know Josie has a proven track record of I don't really give a shit how much we paid for you if I don't mm-hmm. want you in the squad you're not going to be in the squad at the moment so <clears throat> yeah, Mkhitaryan is going to have to uh, I think he's going to have to change his tune a little bit uh, he's going to have to adjust if he wants to see the field you know much like Daniel Sturridge at Liverpool Mm-hmm. You know, Klopp making the point of saying to Sturridge, you know, listen, <laughs> you're going to need to do what we need you to do. If you want right. to play, you're going to have to do what we need you to do. And a match we'll get to, you saw this past weekend, that's exactly what Daniel Sturridge did. Mkhitaryan's going to have to do the same thing at United. Absolutely, and of course, Mkhitaryan uh, also has been re-injured, aggravating that same injury he picked up on international duty, so it will be tough to see if he can actually get back into playing time. Uh, so that does it for the Derby Talk. Let's head to uh, what was a epic comeback, maybe one of the best comebacks we've seen in a while. Uh, it was all right, then all wrong for West Ham at <laughs> apparently not the Bullen Ground, which I thought is where their home games were. No, I, I and you missed it, yeah, apparently they moved to the greatest, most horrible stadium of all time. Ah, oh, damn. That's that's true. I just the, missed that. The London Stadium. It's a very, very intricately named stadium. So uh, that that that's probably where it got you was uh was with the I intricacy of the naming rights. 
I think it was the queen throwing me off. Uh, Mikhail Antonio buried a header within five minutes, and then Dimitri Payet with one of the moves of the weekend beautifully fed him uh, just outside the box uh, on a second to double the lead. But Watford came all the way back in more straight with a defected. Oh my! Odian Ingolo goal and a defensive miscommunication allowing Troy Deeney, those Sao Paulo dogs, uh, to tie it before the half. Etienne Capu then refired uh, re- in a third and the route was on before Jose Holabas finished it off. West Ham fans were enraged. They were fighting with each other at this apparent Olympics uh, park as it finished West Ham to Watford for big win for Watford as it helps them move up the table. But Wes, you know, I'm starting to get just a little bit worried about West Ham. Of course, they've had to deal with a rash of injuries. Dimitri Payet really just coming back. Uh, No Andy Carroll, uh, a couple other players missing from that strike force. But but West Ham were just completely undone for that final hour of the match. And and the fans all of a sudden realizing, oh, God, was was last year kind of our window, maybe. It may have been. I think we're seeing a little more now that, uh, you know, I think we talked about it some last season. Was West Ham really that good? Or was it just that everybody else was kind of crap last year? <laughs> um, you know, they, they've really come back down to earth. You know, having, having injuries doesn't help. But also, you know, the – and something we'll talk about maybe with the Champions League a little bit with Tottenham that they're complaining about, you know, playing at this new ground, they've kind of lost their home field advantage, mm-hmm. which for what it's worth, it, it is worth something. Um, they've lost that. And also something else we talked about this year for some teams, having to play with a target on your back instead of, you know, being the under the radar, you know, uh, underdog in every match, mm-hmm. which West Ham was. You know, now everybody's out to get West Ham. And obviously, as well, when you're in that beautiful new stadium, you know, everybody wants to come in and kick your ass at the new stadium. It's true. And uh, and unfortunately, a lot of fans were kicking each other's asses during and after <laughs> the match for West Ham. So. The great thing is there were West Ham fans beating up West Ham fans. I know it just it didn't make any sense. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's it's West Ham. You're you're welcome. Uh, Tottenham certainly wish they could play at Stoke every week now, it seems, as it was another 4-0 drubbing at the Britannia. Mark Hughes was sent off around the 30 minutes in, and he was fortunate enough, if he didn't want to, have to witness uh, Hyungman's son putting in the first of his two goals after a great Christian Eriksen deke on wee little Joe Allen. Oh, but he showed great character even when he was beat. Uh, Deli Ali and Harry Kane each added a goal in the second half, their first each of the season and the route was on as it finished Stoke nil Tottenham four uh, West the, the somewhat fluid high pressing high octane attack from from Spurs was back in force uh, that we had seen so much of last year uh, it, they started off a little slow but it quickly kicked into gear and um, you know we'll push the Champions League result aside for a minute but uh, but this is a Tottenham team who who uh, you know made made 
made a few adjustments. Hyungman's son with his first start of the season for Tottenham after being on uh, Olympic duty and international duty um, really came in and affecting this ball game. And, and he's a guy that he still needs to develop a lot because his his first touch is so good. We saw it twice in the in the match. Uh, once when Erickson fed it to him and he one touch kicked it in from just outside the six yard area. And then when Erickson laid off to him and he fired it in the back corner uh, for a second and then actually ended up assisting on Kane's goal for the third, uh, the fourth, really. Um, but but a lot of time, multiple times, he was running down that left side on his own and would invariably just fuck it up at the end. Uh, so 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 son uh, really just he's a guy he uh, he's he's really talented and I think he just needs to keep growing only his second year in the Premier League. And really, this was his first match of his second year. So there's still a lot of room for him to work. But we saw flashes from him as well as from all of Tottenham, really, of how good, again, this team could be. Although part of that also is maybe maybe Stoke is just really bad this year. I mean, the story, I think the story of this match, not to take anything away from Tottenham at all, but what has happened to Stoke? I mean, not that you expect them to go and beat, uh, you know, Tottenham every day. It's, it's, not, it's not a surprising result. It's just a surprising body of work. One mm-hmm. point through four matches. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, Mark Hughes obviously is extremely frustrated. That's why he got sent to the stands mm-hmm. uh, very early in the match. <clears throat> oh, that was gorgeous. Um that's that's something to really keep your eye on. I'll tell you, we we, we might be getting some uh, movement in our managerial, uh, you know, death match a little earlier this mm. season than expected from a couple of places. Um, but as far as Tottenham, you know, Tottenham really bouncing back, looking really good. Um, a week after <clears throat> having some really good stretches against Liverpool, but. Mm. Certainly not owning the match by any mm-hmm. means. This time they oh, no. came in, they owned the match. They did everything they wanted to. They completely imposed their will. Uh, Sonny, as we're going to call him, because, you know, me and those, me and them names, Ed. Me you and them names. Uh, Sonny came in, gave them a different look than I think they had seen earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave them a little more crispness, uh, nice sharpness on the outside. Uh, Harry Kane getting on the end of one. Um, I, I thought it was a good performance for Spurs. Uh, Christian Eriksen by far having his best match of the year. Mm-hmm. Just so happens to come uh, right after he signs his new contract. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, he'll never make it in the NBA because they no, all have their great years before they sign the contract. Exactly, exactly. Well, maybe this was uh, him sitting there saying, well, if you want the real Christian, you've got to <laughs> give me the money. As, <laughs> as old Wes likes to say, CTC head, cut yeah. that check. Cut the check. Cut the check. So, Straight uh, cash. <clears throat> that's me. Um, so, yeah, Spurs definitely getting themselves back on track in the Premier League. Uh, they were looking good again. Um, we'll talk about Champions League later. Completely different story when you got to the Champions League, but uh, Spurs looking good in the Prem right now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, as we move to uh, the Emirates, uh, Dusan Tadic nearly scored first for Southampton against Arsenal, uh, but the ball rebounded off the crossbar on a free kick and off of Peter Cech's back for the own goal. It still wins Southampton 1, Arsenal 0. Uh, a few minutes later, though, Laurent Koscielny bicycled Arsenal back into the league before a controversial late penalty in stoppage time sealed the win for the Gunners as Josie Font was adjudged to have pulled down Olivier Giroud in the box. Uh, I've, I've watched it probably six or seven times. The commentators during the match didn't agree that it was a penalty. I don't really agree that it was a penalty. It was one of those where both guys were grabbing at each other, and, and, and I don't see how you can really give a clear penalty there unless you're saying tie goes to the attacker. Either way, it finished Arsenal 2, Southampton 1. And as Men and Blazers tweeted out after that match, Wes, uh, title challenge for Arsenal back on, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. You know, it it only takes one game to change everything in the Premier League. Um, I I believe the official may have uh, may have have uh, been watching the Manchester Derby before the match started and mm-hmm. said, well, you know what? Clattenburg didn't call a penalty. I'm calling the damn penalty today. We Some, got a quota. We somebody, got a quota. Somebody needs to get this penalty out of the way that has a whole section of the country screaming at each other. Uh, so it's going to be me. Very, very, very soft penalty, if you even want to call it a foul. Very soft Um well, that's the thing. Like, I didn't even really think it was a foul. No, like, I thought that was just two guys kind of battling. Like in in the and the that that other football, we would have just been like, yeah, just two guys going up for the ball, and that's yeah, what happens. Exactly. So, yeah, really, really sorry for you know Southampton to have to drop a match like that. I mean, that's that's what sucks. Is you know that's a team near the bottom of the table right now, fighting for points and. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to kind of get, you know, to kind of get taken down like that by the official, that's uh, that's frustrating. It is, and so we'll see if Southampton can rebound. Uh, they haven't had the best of starts, but then again, they also haven't had the easiest of starts. If I can pull up their schedule really quick, uh, I'm I'm trying to see who they've actually played here. I know they've played, um, they've played you, they've played United. Um, they played Arsenal. <laughs> So they're as as good as that's been. Let me see if I can pull up the rest of their fixture list here because I don't believe it has been uh, incredibly easy for them. Uh, let's see. Uh, they they started off at Watford and then they went. Yep, and uh, then they ended up uh, drawing late home at Sunderland, um, needy, and they actually had to come back for that one. So it hasn't been an easy road for them so far, uh, and of course they're going to be dealing with Europa League this week, and then they host Swansea and Palace before heading to West Ham. So maybe, maybe the schedule starts to break a little bit for Southampton, Wes. Um, I mean, we'll have to see. You know, going to Europa is not going to be an easy Mm-mm. ask. You know, there, there's a there's a reason we jokingly call it the poison chalice. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, you know, when when you've had a tough domestic start to the season, uh, but of course, hey, you can look at it a different way. I mean, look at uh, look at Leicester City, who haven't had mm-hmm. the best of starts to the season. And, uh, you know, today they go in the Champions League and all is well after their first Champions League round. So, 
Um, maybe that's a place Southampton can get some stuff going, get a few things working for them, and maybe bring it back into the Premier League. I have to go ahead and make my segue, but I have another point to make. Right. Did you say Leicester getting everything right after a terrible loss? Oh. Well, that just takes us to Liverpool Leicester. Uh, before I did that, though, quick sidebar. Uh, I was I was making dinner tonight and, and feeling a little tired knowing that, oh, well, I had to wake up early this morning because it's Wednesday, which means, and just, just out of the back corner of my head, I was like, well, I, you know, hopefully I'll be able to watch uh, Tottenham tomorrow on Fox Sports if their match is on. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. We're not playing on Thursdays anymore oh I remember now and for a brief glorious minute I was like oh this is all good now so even even in a day of a loss there's still benefits uh but back to back to Anfield as uh, Liverpool sent off Leicester with Roberto Firmino brace around goals from Sadio Mane and Adam Luna. Jamie Vardy had a party and opened his account that got Leicester back within one. The Liverpool scored four before they changed the nets to a different color because that will solve everything on the offense, which is working all right at Anfield well, I, I, as it finishes Liverpool 4, Leicester 1. Well, and actually they have already changed the nets back. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Excuse I mean, me. well, of course, this is the first match at Anfield. So, uh, yeah. so obviously it's working. Yeah. Thing, uh, Klopp did have a – it was an interesting reasoning for that. You know, everywhere they go, they're used to seeing white goals, and then you, you know, you've got this red one at home, and everybody behind it's wearing red. You know, where do you shoot? Uh, hey, if we're going to put four by everybody every match, I, I don't give a shit what color the goal, uh, <laughs> the goal twine is. Uh, Liverpool four, Leicester City one. Uh, Liverpool kind of robbed of a first clean sheet of the year by one of the absolute worst passes I've ever seen from a defensive player in my life. And that coming from a guy who we absolutely love in Lucas Leva. So, uh, yeah. <clears throat> But let's start with the good. The first two Liverpool goals were set up by two of the best passes you'll see all year. Uh, the first one, a through ball from James Milner. Uh, puts Firmino through on goal. He finishes around Smichael for number one. Number two, I just saw my television in front of me. Um, Daniel Sturridge, who, you know, as we talked about him, you know, he wanted to play through the middle. Klopp said, listen, you know, I'm not saying I won't play you through the middle, but you've got to be willing to do what this team needs mm-hmm. or, or you know, it's, it's not going to work. Well, you know, Daniel Sturridge, who is known for his fantastic goals uh, in this match, just put through maybe the assist of the year. Well, it might have been the assist of the weekend if not for Payette. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but, um, uh, On the break, he gives a just a gorgeous backheel right into the path of Sadio Mane for the second goal. Uh, Lalana adds one later, and Firmino finishes it up for the day. Uh, For Liverpool, just a rampant victory. I'm about 30 minutes into this right now, and Liverpool have just been absolutely dominant. They haven't let Leicester breathe. Um, You know, they have not – they've moved the ball so well offensively that Leicester hasn't been able to really get the chance to counterattack. Just because Liverpool haven't, you know, Liverpool won't let them get the ball out in the open to counterattack. If they get it, they're getting it in the back and having to try to build play. Um, <clears throat> hey, for Liverpool, let's talk about the main stand opens uh, the biggest Liverpool crowd since 1980 uh, to see the Reds play a match. That was back when uh, most all the stadium was uh, standing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you could pack them in a lot harder back then. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> safety. Yeah, we're not big on safety. We're not going to talk about Liverpool's uh, safety record in the 80s, but anyway. Um, but the main stand was open. It's absolutely glorious. Uh, about 9,000 more fans per game. Um, and this was phase one, apparently. Phase two coming next, maybe on the infield roadside. So, you know, Liverpool moving the way of, you know, getting a stadium that really has them competing with Europeans, mm-hmm. with Europe's giants. Um, I think the extra noise, I think the extra energy helped, especially early, because, you know, you saw Liverpool come out, they were pressing hard, they were getting the ball, they were getting good looks, they were getting opportunities, as we said, Firmino finally opening the account for them. Um, <clears throat> as, as is every big win... Kind of like you, we mockingly said earlier, uh, you know, title push back on for uh, Arsenal. You know, as with every big win at Liverpool, uh, dare we dream. Yes. Uh, dare we dream that we can do great things. Um, <clears throat> I think we have quickly realized through four matches this year, scoring goals is not going to be a big issue for Liverpool. Um, we've got nine goals through four matches, and that includes being shut out a match. So uh, that's that's a really good start. Uh, defensively, take away the Lucas Leva uh, miscue, and I thought Liverpool were actually really good defensively. You know, Matip is looking good at the back. Um, <clears throat> I believe if, if he can just keep putting on, if he can just put on a little more weight. Um, and we've got to see what he can do with a really physical forward. But mm-hmm. I've been really impressed with matchup. Uh, Lovren didn't start this match, as we said. Uh, um, Lucas getting the emergency start. Lovren got hit in the face uh, in practice on Friday. Uh, took a wicked shot. I mean, I completely swollen shut. It was a glorious shade of pirate purple Ed. Uh, oh. <laughs> so it, it was legit while Lovren was not playing. Uh, they, they decided to go to Leva, and I thought Lucas played well, other than the worst pass in the history of football. Yeah. He played well. <laughs> um, he kind of gives, gives Liverpool – I, I think he makes them a little more steady at the back just mm-hmm. because of all his Premier League experience. And I think that could really – I'm interested to see if he's going to start against Chelsea because I think uh, – I think if anyone could kind of match up well with uh, with Diego Costa, it could be Lucas. But we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. That match, of course, coming up on Friday. But I was extremely impressed with Liverpool. They absolutely ripped apart the what was last year the Premier League's best defensive partnership in uh, Robert Huth and Wes Morgan. Uh, Liverpool made them look old and slow. <clears throat> um, as for Leicester... I'm going to tell you, man, the other day... Oh, God, there was that Lucas pass. Oh, woof. Uh, I think Lester is really, really feeling the loss of Angola Conte. I was just about to ask about yeah. that, yeah. Uh, Drinkwater is not what he was last year because he's having to play more defense. Angola mm-hmm. uh, Conte gave them such a... such a strong, strong presence last year. Uh, shielding mm-hmm. the back four, that I mean, that, God, that was one reason they were so damn tough is because you know you had Angola Conte, Conte could break up play and had a gorgeous, a glorious eye for the pass, and you know he could break up place and set that counter attack going. And this year we're just not seeing that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they brought in a pretty capable guy to replace him, but he's just it's not him. <laughs> you know, you can uh you know, if you've got a Mercedes, you know, you could buy two uh, two Acuras and you don't have a Mercedes. You just have two Acuras. Yeah. So, you know, they're good cars, but they're not a Mercedes. So mm. uh, I, I think that's, I think that's gonna, that's an adjustment that Lester has to figure out a way to make. I mean, right now the defending champions are sitting in 16th with four points in four matches. And that is, uh, that's just not good enough for, I don't think that's good enough for what Lester is now expecting from their team, from their squad. Exactly, especially to bring pretty much everybody back, making making even a few additions, except for the loss of N'Golo Conte. Um, most of that team is back from last year, so, so you'd expect just a little bit more from the defending title holders. Well, the team that beat them will be starting off this weekend of Premier League action, and they'll be starting it off on a Friday, Friday night football on NBC Sports. That's Chelsea hosting Liverpool at 3 p.m. on Friday. On Saturday, uh, you have no 7.30 match, so there you go for that. Uh, At 10 o'clock, you get either Hull, Arsenal, Leicester, Burnley, Man City, Bournemouth, West Brom, West Ham, and at 12.30, you get Everton, Middlesbrough. Um, On Sunday, you get four matches. 7 a.m., you get Watford United. At 9.15, you get either Palace, Stoke, or Southampton, Swansea. Then at 11.30, to finish off the weekend, you get Tottenham hosting Sunderland. And as we take... A, league, a look at the league table uh, through four matches. Uh, Man City now stands alone at the top with 12 points. Chelsea and Everton, yes, Everton, uh, sit with 10 points. Man United are in fourth with nine Roger, points. Roger Bennett doesn't want anyone to acknowledge that Everton's there. Too bad. Uh, <laughs> and in fifth place uh, are Tottenham with eight points, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Hull right behind them with seven points. Uh, at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, West Ham currently sit just outside of it with three points. Southampton are in 18th with two. And Sunderland and Stoke both have one point. Stoke are in last with a minus eight goal differential. Stoke have scored it just two goals through four matches. All right, Wes, let us talk uh, a little bit about the Champions League. Uh, and obviously, do, do you think there's any way we could get uh, Kyle Walker's rendition of singing the song as our new anthem? That was glorious. I mean, by glorious, you mean crack cat on steroids, but still. Oh, it's so good. So good. England International, Kyle Walker. Um, we're going to go through a few of these matches. We're not, we are not. can't go through all of them, obviously. Who, real quick, uh, who, who's, uh, whose rendition was better this week? Uh, you know, Kyle Walker or Neymar's new album? Oh, I haven't heard Neymar's new album. It yet. is fun to find. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to go with Kyle Walker. Because Kyle Walker wasn't trying. Oh, Neymar is amazing. Uh, speaking of someone who's not that amazing, Edison Cavani and PSG, uh, as we start in Group A of the Champions League, Cavani did head home a goal in the first minute against Arsenal at the Parc des Princes uh, because there wasn't enough time yet for him to realize that the match had started. 41 seconds in. PSG up 1-0. Alexis Sanchez eventually brought Arsenal back level in the 78th minute. Uh, Both Olivier Giroud uh, of 
Arsenal as well as a man for uh, Mar- uh, Marco Verratti for uh, PSG were both sent off uh, late on in the 94th minute with their second yellow cards each. Uh, it should be noted that Giroud picked both, both of his in the final half hour when he came on. Uh, it finished 1-1, but Wes uh, Cavani had three or four literal one-on-ones with uh, David Ospina and goal and missed on every single one of them. Th- this this match could have been over in the first half. And Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, everyone knows the translation in Colombian for Cavani is crap. Uh, apparently so. I mean, uh, because he, this is a guy, and, and I did read an article today, I believe it was on Deadspin. You know, it's it's hard to call Cavani bad when he finds himself in so <laughs> many good positions and he's constantly outrunning the keeper. But, you know, is is he sort of Roberto Soldado-ing right now? Can it, Does he just have the yips in, in front of goal? I think... Uh well, you know, I believe you had sent me something. Maybe maybe it was you said it or I saw it on Twitter or something. Um, you know, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, for years now has been moaning and crying and whining that he didn't get to play centrally and that everything mm-hmm. didn't run through him. It ran through Zlatan and how, you know, he was being wasted. Well, all right, the king's gone. Figure it out. And here he is in his first really big chance to show that, you know, he was right the whole time that he he's just as good as Latin, and uh, as you said, just chance after wasted chance after wasted chance. And uh, at the end of the day, that's it's just not good enough, man. That's just not good enough. It's I mean, at the end of the day, not, I could see him wearing an Arsenal shirt. It's true. It was, it was that level of failure. Um, really disappointing, especially to come out and head it in within 45 seconds uh, to put PSG up one. And and it's not like they took their foot off the gas either. They were constantly harassing Arsenal's back line. Uh, they really didn't have an answer for them. And uh, the answer was that Cavani just wasn't very good on goal. Um, but I, I think all things considered, Wes, Arsenal are now primed to go ahead and, and probably win this group now because this this was probably going to be their toughest match. Uh, I would I would agree. Probably for both of them in the group. Uh, it was just that both, you know, first of all with Arsenal, if Arsenal don't win, people are immediately going to have massive issues with them just because they're Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then because of, you know, Cavani's put himself in that spotlight and then just crap the bed basically so, uh, you know but I, I think that I think pretty much every time Arsenal play in the Champions League or really you know Arsenal are just one of those teams that uh, split opinions so much that uh, when, mm-hmm. when they play especially in the Champions League people are watching and they're it's almost like everyone's waiting for Arsenal to fuck it up it's like the train wreck. You you know it's going to happen, and you can't really look away, but you still kind of maybe want to cover exactly. your eyes and then peek through the fingers. Exactly. Uh, you know, people go after Arsenal hard. <clears throat> Not us by any means, but, you know. 
Oh, no, of course not. We're very, very pro Arsenal here. Uh, one point each for them, as well as one point each for Ludogorets, Rosgrad, and Basel, as it finished 1-1 at St. Jacob's Park. Uh, Basel had to come back in that game on the back of Renato Stefan, who had an equalizer in the 79th minute. Uh, in Group B, Napoli currently leads the way after they beat Dynamo Kiev 2-1. Uh, they went down a goal early, but Arkadiz Milik uh, had a brace inside the final 10 minutes of the first half to put the Italian side up for good. And then it was Benfica 1, Besiktas 1. Benfica thought they had the match won at home, but Taliska for Besiktas. Uh, it sounds so perfect. Uh, he scored in the 93rd minute to get a point for the Turkish side as, uh, as both of them are now tied in second place in the group, Kiev in fourth. Um... Whew, Wes, we told you about that one time that Celtic beat Barcelona. This was not at Celtic. This was this was at the Camp Nou, and uh, this did not go the way of Celtic in any way, shape, or form. Uh, not a lot of character on display for Brendan Rodgers' side as Barcelona just destroys Celtic 7-0. Uh, Messi with a hat trick, Neymar and Iniesta with goals, Suarez with a brace. I mean, Wes, this is the Champions League. This was supposed to be like one of those super sexy kind of groups. And while I don't think any of us expected Celtic to go in and beat Barcelona, I don't think a lot of us would have put 7-0 on the board either. Well, I mean, granted, Brendan Rodgers is probably going to try to claim a couple of those goals because, you know, he was the one who turned uh, Suarez into a world-class player. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> you know, that said... Barcelona are a team that when they get rolling, they can they can really run up a score. And that's I'm not saying that's a negative in mm-hmm. any way. Uh, I'm not saying you know a that they're running up the score and b I'm I'm one of those people who believes you know you can't run it up enough. <laughs> Goal differential. I just, you should, I just figure out a way to stop me. That's all I need to do. Um, that said, Barcelona just got into a groove, especially in the second half. I, I watched a, a, a portion of that game yesterday, Ed, mm-hmm. uh, and then fast-forwarded through a lot. But through that second half, they just – I mean, it was 2-0 for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, just bam, Barcelona became the Barcelona of, you know – I mean, that's a European winning Barcelona yesterday. That's how good they were. Um I mean, as far as Celtic, and yes, you know, the history of that was about four years ago, I'm guessing at this point, it doesn't matter. But if you do want to get that way, uh, they actually lost at the Camp Nou 6 1 hmm. that year. So, you know. So you're <laughs> saying there's a chance. Well, there's a chance. Uh, I mean, you know, they got blown out the last time they were at the Camp Nou, and then they turned around at Hempstead Park and beat them. So. Well, and of not, course, saying it will ha- not saying it will happen by any means. Uh, also, early in that match, uh, Celtic had a chance mm-hmm. to equalize. Yep, Dembele's uh, penalty uh, saved by Ter Stegen. Uh, Musa Dembele did not look confident and uh, just fired it right into the hands of Ter Stegen. And at that point, you could kind of feel all the air go out of uh, Celtic. Well, and then Messi actually ended up scoring his second like two minutes later. Exactly. <laughs> they went right back down, got the goal, and you're like, oh, shit, they lost their chance. Yeah, that was it. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, also, Brendan Rodgers at this point does not have really the best Champions League record. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's it's not an easy group for him this year. So not even close as Manchester City also romped in Group C 4-0 over Borussia Mönchengladbach a hat-trick for the Kuhn Serge Aguero and then just for good measure Iheanacho with a goal in the 91st minute and uh, of course that match was actually postponed mm-hmm. today torrential rain torrential rains um, <laughs> as, uh, as one thing I read on Twitter said uh, torrential rain and oil do not mix on a field Oh, not at all. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so that match actually postponed for a day, and uh, and City still it didn't bother City. City got their big win. Rolstov in Group D might have hoped that their match against Bayern had been postponed today. It was not, and they lost 5-0 goals for Lewandowski, Mueller, Kimmich, and Bernat uh, allows the German favorites to romp their way through Rolstov at the Allianz. Kimmich, uh, uh, Kimmich is absolutely on fire right now. Youngster young made, his, made yeah. his German debut, scored, uh, and now has scored, I think, a couple of times in the last week now for Bayern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atletico had to go to Eindhoven to take on PSV and got a 43rd-minute winner from Saul Niez uh, to go ahead and put them up. So Bayern and Atletico, both atop Group D, but through much different score lines as that group progresses. Uh, in Group E, Leverkusen and Moscow drew 2-2 in Leverkusen. Uh, Leverkusen got out to an early lead thanks to Admir Mehemdi as well as Hakan Kalonglu uh, with goals inside the first 15 minutes. But Moscow responded with two in the 36th and 38th minutes to tie it up there. And that will be joy to the fans of Tottenham, who lost today to Monaco 2-1 at Wembley in front of a record English crowd of 85,011 people. Uh Goals from Bernardo Silva and Thomas Lamar, who came on as a early substitute in that match, uh, sealed it for Monaco. Toby Aldevarel had a headed in uh, corner on the 45th minute just before halftime uh, that looked to get Tottenham back in it. And Wes, you know, Tottenham actually controlled a lot of that match. you know, Monaco for their first two shots on target, which kind of both came against the run of play, both came coming on mistakes. Both their two shots went in. Uh, Tottenham had one uh, Hyungman's son uh, shot cleared off the line uh, by the last defender. Uh, so they didn't play well, but I also think that a there was a little deer in the headlights for them because for just about every player on that team. Uh, this, I believe, was their first Champions League experience. And uh, B, I also don't think they played all together that badly. And and also, Monaco is you know a pretty good team. Uh, yeah, but I'm still really disappointed in what Tottenham put out today. Um, <clears throat> you know, Son... I, I, di- I didn't really like them starting Hyung Min Son today. I mean, I know he was good at the weekend. I just um, – I think it's tough putting him and Lamella on the field together sometimes because they kind of play the same position. Mm-hmm. And I thought you were kind of shoehorning those two in there basically based on Son having a – you know, having the weekend that he had. Um, and, and that said, once Son came off, I believe he came off at halftime. 
Um, I think so. I mean, I thought they played a much better second half than they did a first half, let's put it that way. Uh, but just not able to get enough goals in. Um, I, as good as Harry Kane is, sometimes, uh, and as good as Pochettino is, I think sometimes Pochettino doesn't exactly know how he wants to play Harry Kane. You know, do we want to put him as, a, as you know, two strikers behind another striker? You know, do we want him to play up front alone as a striker? And I think today, I, I didn't think they really got it very right today um, with, with Harry Kane. Uh, and, and that said, you know, Tottenham still had chances to level in this match. So, I mean, definitely not all is lost by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, not by any means. I mean, they, they should still be fine in this group. And as you said, luckily, Moscow and Leverkusen, uh, they did draw. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're only a point back with five matches to go. Nothing wrong with that. You're fine there. Um, the other thing, though, that, that, has me, that would have me worrying a little bit for Tottenham is actually the Wembley factor at this point. Um. I just I think by playing at Wembley, I think they lose, you know, much like we talked earlier with West Ham, I believe they really lose the home field advantage that they have at White Hart Lane. Uh, the noise, I and mean, here's the thing, you're you're fitting, God, what maybe thirty thousand more people into Wembley than you will at White Hart Lane. I think it's closer to fifty. Well, and, and it's it's actually like not as loud. Because of the way that Wembley is built, because of the way Wembley's set up, you know the great thing about White Hart Lane is you know you're right on top of the field. Um, mm. You know it, it can be an intimidating place to play at Wembley. You know Wembley is very open; it's very spread out. Um, you know the noise doesn't travel to the field; the noise kind of travels up and out. Uh, um, I'm going to tell you, and this is just a this is just a thought on Wembley Stadium, real quick. Uh, I, I really thought that I really think that uh, when they rebuilt Wembley, mm-hmm. I mean, they can sit there and say, you know, it's the home of the England national team, and it is. They did not build that stadium with football in mind. I really think they built that yeah. stadium as you know, oh, this is our. You know, all events team, you know, all we'll play, you know, we'll put football in here and, you know, we'll have these amazing concerts and it's so huge and it's so great. And they, it's like they did not build it to be like the home fortress of the English national team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for Tottenham, who, you know, this year they're kind of it's kind of like a trial run with Wembley this year. Next year you're playing all your home matches there. And yeah. I listened to Talk Sport today. I heard a ton of pissed off Spurs fans who were not happy with the who just are not happy with playing their matches at Wembley. You know, for whatever reason, but one of them one of them definitely though is is the noise and the intimidation factor. They feel it is completely not there. And, of course, you know, you get people calling into radio shows. Obviously, most of them are overreacting to everything anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, it it is something to think about, you know, because, you know, somewhere like Spurs, you know, those are are really electric nights in Europe. You know, when when Spurs is hosting Europa or, or, or Champions League matches, you know, those nights are really special 
at White Hart Lane. And I think by going to Wembley, you just you you kind of lose that specialness. That and hey, as a Liverpool fan, I will tell you, hey, the home crowd can be enough to push you over sometimes. Isn't that right, Dortmund? So you, mm. you know that's uh, that's just something they're going to have to deal with Champions League this year and then for their entire season next year. So I think it's just something I, I wouldn't put it at the front of your mind by any means. But I think that's something that should be kept in the back of the mind for Spurs fans. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They'll, they'll be obviously playing two more matches there, uh, so we'll see if any if anything changes with it. Um, but I would I would I would hope that there won't be uh, too much of an impact from that. Uh, Group F, uh, Dortmund dominating, uh, Legia Warsaw looking across at Baron saying anything you can do, we can do better. Uh, goals from six different players uh, as they just pound their Polish teammates. Uh, elsewhere, though, it was yeah. elsewhere. It was really dirty. They pound their Polish teammates. You love it. Uh, elsewhere, it was Real Madrid to Sporting CP1. Uh, Bruno Cesar looked like he had won it in the 47th minute for Porto, or sorry, for Sporting, uh, but a winner late by Alvaro Morata in the 95th minute brought Real back from the brink in Madrid. And so Dortmund and Madrid somehow, someway, both standing atop the group with three points. Uh, in Group G, Leicester City, as you mentioned earlier, Wes, they got by Club Bruges just fine in Belgium. Uh, Mark Albrighton with the opening goal in the fifth minute, the first in Leicester City history for the Champions League. And then Riyad Mahrez with a brace, uh, a goal in the 29th minute and a penalty in the 61st. They lead the group as Porto and Copenhagen split spoils in Porto 1-1. And finally, in Group H, uh, Lyon beats Dynamo Zagreb 3-0 on goals from Quarantin Toliso, Jordan Ferry, and Maxwell Cornet. And in what was maybe one of the other really hyped matches, at least by me, uh, Juventus-Sevilla play a 0-0 draw in Turin. Um, Higuain hit the bar for Juventus with a 59th-minute header, um, but no actual goals, West for Juventus as they are trying to return uh, too deep into this uh, European competition. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be too worried about uh, Juventus. Mm-hmm. They've been off to a good start. Sevilla, I can tell you firsthand, Sevilla's a tough team to play. Um, and they, they like to set up defensively and then try to hit you on a counter. Um, so, you know, nil-nil to start the group, that's, uh, that's far from a disaster for Juventus. Absolutely. And so all these teams will next play on uh, September 27th and 28th. So later this month, just a couple weeks away. So that's your Champions League Euro update. Uh, we might do a Europa League update next yeah. week. Maybe Manchester United. Uh, we do know that Wayne Rooney will not be traveling with the team. Marcus Rashford will be starting up top and Zlatan will do whatever the hell he wants because he is Zlatan. Unfortunately, we are not not Zlatan, so we are going to take a quick word. 
Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i-em-power.com. And thank you so much to our great sponsors, NGSC Sports, I'm Next USA, and I am Power for bringing you the Foreign Affair Podcast. I am Edward Green with McCollin Crime, Wes Bradshaw. Wes, let's hit the news and notes first. This uh, We start with two stories from Thursday, last Thursday because, you know, Thursdays. Uh, speaking of Atletico and Real Madrid, they were just in the Champions League and now they, they won their matches there, but they lost their appeals against FIFA to try and get rid of their one-year transfer bans. Uh, these were embargoes were imposed in January. Uh, then they were frozen as the clubs appealed, and uh, then they were denied with the appeal. So it looks like they are going to be uh, both be banned for about the next year. So I assume that means uh, that's this January period and the next summer period, which uh, Wes, the, the, the summer period obviously is where uh, both Madrid teams are probably looking to add many more players than the January window. Oh, well, big time. Uh, now, what that does mean is next January could be really interesting uh, when both of them are coming off a transfer ban. Yes. And, uh, you know, might be players. Now, also another thing to look at is don't forget, you know, Barcelona just came off of one of these. Mm-hmm. And remember what they did, you know, because if you really technically want to get to it, what it says is that you cannot register players. Yeah, you can stash them somewhere. Exactly. And that's what Barcelona did with Arda Turan. So it'll be interesting. And of course, took him from uh, Atletico to do that. It'll be interesting still to see, you know, if, if there's somebody that Real Madrid, Real Madrid especially, if they really, really, really want somebody, it would be interesting to see if they go out and purchase a player knowing he can't play until January. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, the the world of financial fair play, which I really cannot figure out the rules of this shit. I just mm-hmm. kind of do it as it goes or, you know, financial fair play or, you know, illegal transfers, whatever the hell's going on. I can't keep up with it. It's whatever FIFA wants to do that week. So uh, it kind of sucks for the two Madrid teams. Um, I'll tell you, you know, it could, it could really – I think it could have an effect on the Premier League just because, you know, the, the Uniteds and the Cities and the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's of the world, not so much the Arsenal's, but those other three, you know, they're, they're in a lot of the time for the same players that the uh, – uh, um, you know, the Madrid's are in for. So, you know, that would be a little less that they have to do. And also, you know, with really big talk coming out about how, you know, United has apparently openly said they're going to break the transfer record again and sign Antoine Griezmann. Um, you know, if, if Atletico's sitting out there and can't replace Antoine Griezmann, they ain't selling Antoine Griezmann. No, 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 no. So, you know, that could have a, that could be kind of a spanner thrown into United's plans as well. So... You know, United or, or Chelsea, you know, both of whom are apparently very high on Antoine Griezmann. 
So, you know, it, it is dominoes falling with, uh, with these two, especially just Atletico and Real being such huge clubs. It, is, it will be dominoes falling in the transfer market because of that. Well, when you talk about uh, somebody that United could go after if uh, they are not able to, to get their man from Atletico, one person that they could definitely get, Wes, is Landon Donovan because he's coming out of retirement to go back and play with the LA Galaxy, even though he hasn't played a competitive match in two years and is 34 years old. And and I didn't realize in that elephant graveyard known as MLS that sometimes those elephant bones were resurrected. MLS! Uh, I, I, obviously, there's no way, like... I, I don't understand this, Wes, because there's no way that Klinsman is taking him for the national team, so it can't be a push to rejoin that squad. I, I, this This move, to me, just makes no sense. Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, maybe Landon Donovan just felt maybe he had some unfinished business. And you know, maybe he just loves the game. I mean, we've seen him playing on uh, what, Visa commercials. Oh, yeah. Um, or, you know, whatever it is with the, uh, the credit card thing you put in your phone. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it could be a couple of things. It could be, hey, he could need the money. Who knows? Um, but, you know, coming back... I mean, it's definitely very high profile for the league. It'll, I think it'll definitely get some eyes on uh, some TV sets. Uh, but I don't think in the long run, like you said, I don't think this is going to have any bearing on, uh, on the United States men's national team. Obviously, when he was on his game and was playing, he and Klinsman did not have a very good relationship. He's been very critical of Klinsman since leaving the national team. Mm-hmm. So I certainly don't think there's any, I don't think he has any thoughts of, oh, go about the national team. I just say maybe he just wants to play and just thinks he has something left. I mean, we see baseball players and basketball players do this a lot. Uh, yeah. So I mean, maybe he just wants to play and, you know, get paid to play. I don't know. Cut that check. CTC, uh, baby. I'll tell you who might be having to cut a check are television rights owners because they, (laughs) Oh, I wish. And the foreign affair podcast, of course, we'll start doing a video podcast if they want. Uh, But unfortunately that may come at the same time that the world super league starts uh, between not, not just Europe anymore. Cause that's, that's what we've talked about a few times. Wes is a European super league um, or, or guaranteed UCL spots for your European clubs. Well, now there's a new move led by apparently Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and Juventus looking to also bring in a league with teams from China, the United States, Brazil, Australia, and South Africa, to which one European football head person says is, quote, unstoppable. Uh, this article coming to us from the mirror, so take it with that what you will. But, you know, Wes, I I know there's 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 global expansion. We see these summer trips. We, we go to it every year in Charlotte for the International Champions Cup. But to, to think of teams playing in midseason – and having like if if you if the Premier League got in on this to think of Manchester City or United or Liverpool or Tottenham having to play on a Saturday 
and then fly in midweek to China or South Africa to play a match and then come back and play again on the weekend is absolutely mind-boggling. And this, to me, is all stemming from other leagues in Europe saying, well, we see what the Premier League is doing with all their money, and that's what we want. And apparently the only way we're going to get it is if we create some crazy-ass Super League that involves the entire friggin' world. Um, this, this, they're saying that this could be five years away, uh, when the new TV rights contracts are up, uh, Wes, I don't think this would kill football because I think that's insane, but it would kill this. Yes. Yes. That, that is true. I mean, I I don't even want to wrap my head around this. It just, it disgusts me because you know, what's, what's one of our issues with the NFL is it's like everything is just straight greed capitalism. Oh, yeah. You know, and I understand. Don't get me wrong. We are Premier League fans. And the biggest thing about the Premier League is that, you know, cash has absolutely fueled the whole thing. But somewhere there's got to be, I mean, there's got to be people somewhere going, you know, why are we trying to kill this cash cow that we've got? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like the goose that lays the golden egg. You know, we get a golden egg every day. Well, if we cut it open, we can get them all at once. Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, just, I don't even know how to respond to it. I, I'm hoping that it's so outlandish that it doesn't happen. And even when you think about it, a part of it is pretty cool. But then when you think about the actual logistics for your club, it's a yeah. nightmare. I mean, and, and here's my deal. Depending on how the money goes, I mean, who's to say that, you know, United, which is use United as an example. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say that in after a couple of years of this, they're like, you know what? We're making so much money off of this. Yeah, fuck the Premier League. We're out of here. Yeah. You know, and if and they that's, do that's, it, then City might do it. If City does it, Chelsea might do it. If Chelsea does it. God forbid Liverpool might do it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, I mean, then, then what happens? It's fucking anarchy. And I, to me, this would be really cool as like a one-off tournament, kind of like how the uh, Copa America Centenario was this year. Mm-hmm. Like like something like that, bringing in to the United States or somewhere like that all, all these great club teams and maybe have them play like a preseason tournament one-off that was – more legit i guess you would say than the uh the international champions cup not that we don't love you international champions cup but your format is very confusing and it spreads over multiple continents and it's weird um but to have like an actual like maybe 32 team or 16 team club tournament from all these different leagues around the world i think would be pretty cool like it would actually be a fifa club world cup instead of the bullshit they have now my issue is a what if the premier league just says Nah, nah, we're good. We're uh, we're making money hand over fist from uh, all our TV deals. Uh, we're good. Do do they just get left behind? Does the Champions League just dissolve, or are the English teams and maybe like France and Portugal and Belgium and the Netherlands is that enough to to keep it going on its own? And see that I. I don't know. Here's the thing. I think the Premier League, as it's as it's set right now, I think the Premier League would be fine on its own. Mm-hmm. 
And I say that because, you know, Champions League, as much as we enjoy Champions League, I mean, and I think while people who really love football understand, you know, Champions League, this is where this is where it's at. I mean, other unless you're just getting like some kind of a massive matchup, like maybe uh, shit like United versus Barcelona or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just I don't think the Champions League. I mean, Champions League is no longer putting as much money in your pockets as the Premier League is. Yeah, that's true. I, I think I think if it came down to, you know, um, them saying, "Listen, you know, the Champions League's falling apart. You either come with us or you're left behind." I think Premier League. I think the Premier League itself could sit there and say, and they're the only one that could sit there and say, "Yeah, we're good." Yeah. Well, if we're not going to have Europe, then you know we'll just uh, we'll just play our domestic league, and hell, that might even make the domestic league even better. <laughs> That's true. I can actually make it better because you know then the only major title you could win could be the league title, and it would be that much more important. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this would kill England, but I think they could kill they could effectively kill the uh, the European game. Yeah, and that and that would be very disappointing. And, and, well, and, and the thing is, the clubs who care about the the only clubs who would benefit would be the small handful, the Juventus, the Bayern, the uh, Real, the Barcelona. And the problem is, they don't give a shit about anybody else but themselves. Yeah, you know that's all this is coming from is they just want more money, and they they just look over and say, "Or oh, where we just keep winning the Champions League, but the Premier League's getting all the money." Well. Sorry. Well, and I don't even think it's, you know, they're getting all the money because those teams are still getting all the money. I mean, you look at those teams that we just mentioned, the teams that are winning the Champions League are still the richest teams in the world with them. But, I mean, but, but you kind of mentioned it earlier. When is it enough? Exactly. And that's the thing. And you get somebody like a Real or a Bayern or Barcelona, and it's not enough. There's never enough. All they want to do is just have more money than the next guy. Yeah. So, and, and those. The thing is, those guys will do it to the detriment of literally the rest of the world. They will do it, mm-hmm. and that's what's really disappointing. Is they, they're, I mean, their whole thing is, I mean, we don't really give a shit because, I mean, we're gonna make our money. You know, as as Juventus, I don't give a shit if Atalanta makes it. Yeah. You know, I don't give a shit if Palermo makes it. That's not my. That's not my issue at the end of the day. You know, not as long as I've got this Super League and I can go out and make my shit ton of money hand over fist. Yeah, well, Syria falls apart. Yeah. We had a good run. What about if What about if you're a team like Dortmund and you don't get invited to this thing? And, and that's the thing. You know, that would be that would be really sad. Uh, now. <sighs> God, I don't even know if Dortmund would actually get an invite to the table. I mean, Germany, Bayern is just so much damn bigger than everybody else. Well, and here I had a, uh, if I can pull up the, uh, the this this article again here, I'll tell you a, a, a theoretical list of teams uh-huh. that, that this article had that would be invited. Now, there were five Premier League teams, which I think is a little high, 
But the, this will be the list from the USA, uh, the LA Galaxy, and one of the New York City teams. Yep. Uh, Melbourne City from Australia. Corinthians out of Brazil. Owned, owned by, by the way, the New York and the uh, Melbourne team owned by Manchester City. Exactly. Uh, Brazil, Corinthians. Uh, Italy would get Juventus, AC Milan, and Inter, despite Inter being just shambolic right well, now. Don't forget it. Inter is in the process of a, of a massive takeover. Yay, everybody. Uh, Spain, the big three. Uh, South Africa, Super Sport United out of Joburg. Uh, Germany, Bayern and uh, Dortmund. Uh, France, PSG and Lyon. And then England would get Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City and United. Um, and, and then so it's like, what if you're... But what if you're then... Uh, what if you're a Tottenham? What if you're a Monaco? What if you're... I, I don't know, a Napoli... You know, what is what is your incentive then? Well, I didn't hear Roma's name in there. You know, I mean, yeah. there are plenty of big clubs who just got left behind. I mean, what about the whole of uh, the, the whole of Russia? Yeah. Uh, you know, what about um, the I whole mean, of Portugal? You know, Portugal's not mentioned in there at all. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, just in Europe, especially, that's just there's so many clubs in Europe that that damages and that kills and the thing is I just don't think most of the big guns really give a shit at the end of the day yeah I just I, I think the Premier League thinks on a different plane than everybody else does I think it's just what it is you know um, but I, I don't really, I don't really know how to even respond to it I really don't it's it's just it's heartbreaking if it goes down is the way I see it yeah, this is just depressing. Just shady, shady shit going on. And, and I mean, and out of that group, I mean, here's the thing, you know, I, I would be one of the lucky ones out of that group, because my team is in that group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess, you know, obviously if Liverpool is playing in that in that tournament, in that league, I mean, I will follow it. I will support my Reds. But, you know, like you said, you know, I mean, there are more supporters than just those five clubs. Yeah. And that's where it's that that that's whose shoulders it's going to fall on. That's where the fallout is going to fall on. We'll put it that way. That's where the fallout goes. And and I would think you know it, it, as cool as it might be to to follow it if you're in that sort of league, I I would have to imagine you dare I say right in the head, Man United fans, the the old school Man City fans. I, I can't imagine they'd feel very clean if that sort of thing happened. No, I mean, it would it would kind of suck. I mean, you know, you go, you support your club wherever they are, but, <sighs> I mean, that's that's a completely different reality than what anyone has known. Yeah. Well, let's 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 take our minds off that and and take a shot. I know. Let's have a Mario Balotelli shot because all his shots are going down smooth now that he's in Nice. Oh, now that he has uh, endured, endeared himself to his new fan base, uh, one bar at his new uh, new home has uh, created a shot called the Balotelli, uh, which is Kalua, Bailey's, and Tequila, which, much like Mario Balotelli, sounds like a great idea. Maybe it'll give you some fun times, but in the end, it's just going to fuck you over. Hey, you're just going to be sick to your stomach. Yep. Uh, so okay, there's there's a poll here, Wes. Would you drink a Balotelli? Yes or no? 
Just based on the name, no. And, you know, just talking about Balotelli, I mean, you know, here's a guy who <laughs> it's, it's in the water out of Liverpool now. You know, if you're an unwanted Liverpool striker, we say, and you're scoring, scores two goals in his debut for Nice. So, uh, you know, and continues to just hurl shit back at the team who just sent him off. Um, my favorite one, it was the worst mistake of my life, signing for Liverpool. And I, I just I want to say, hey, Mario, I think a lot of Liverpool fans feel the same way. <laughs> and yeah. and this is a, and then that son of a bitch, El Hodge doof, has to try to throw his two damn cents into it. I had no idea who he was, so I had to Google him oh. really quickly when I saw his comments. He is not a great guy. He's literally the most hated Liverpool player of all time by Liverpool fans. And that includes Michael Owens. <laughs> I imagine. Um, I mean, this guy's such a piece of shit. And uh, of, of course, and as everyone in the country does now, it's racism that did it to him. Of course. Because, you know, all around the world, that's just the quickest bailout ever is racism. And it's racism because Steven Gerrard didn't like him. Yep. That, that's jealous. Of course, that's D.U.'s uh, answer to everything is, well, Steven, Steven Gerrard fucked him over. Fuck you, dude. Thank you, know, you. You, want, you want to talk about a guy who flushed his own Liverpool career down the drain? You know, it's El Hodge to you. I mean, my God, Mario Balotelli was a fucking model citizen compared to that piece of shit. Uh, well, according to the poll, 51% would drink a Balotelli, 49% would not. It, it, it's, 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 just like, it's just like drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Do you drink the Balotelli Kool-Aid or do you not? Obviously, 51% of people still don't get it. And then would you have a giant pitcher come burst through your wall? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and lastly, on our, our final story here, uh, a bit of a scary incident. Uh, Crystal Palace defender Papa Suare was in a serious car accident uh, on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, he had to have surgery on his jaw and his tie, his tie, his thigh, uh, but looks to be released on Friday. Uh, he was actually airlifted to a hospital on Sunday after uh, the accident on the M4 over in England. Um, so we're not Palace fans. I don't believe either of us is a Papa Suare fan, but always, always a, a big reminder that even as a professional footballer living the life of luxury, that you weren't exactly invincible out there. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, prayers to the guy. Hope he gets better soon. And uh, it sounds like, it sounds like uh, doctors have said it, it doesn't seem to be career threatening. Sounds like they expect him to make enough of a recovery to be back to play one day. Well, hope hope we will see you soon. And now, Wes, that is going to do it for our soccer talk, so let's hit the watch for. What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? And I mentioned one last week. I'll mention another one with it this week. It is premiere week. Yeah. It looks like for new t- for shows. Shows are back. TV's back in green. Yes. <clears throat> and the two biggest ones that I'm looking forward to – are, uh, of course, I talked about American Horror Story last week. Uh, mm-hmm. a- actually, as we pod, uh, it, the premiere is going on. I might have to wait until, uh, I don't know, maybe Thursday night to be able to watch it. So, uh, you know, as you're listening to this pod, you may actually be uh, around the same time that Wes actually gets to watch American Horror Story. Mm. So it's going to be awesome. And the other end is the return of last year's Undercover Greatest Show Ever, documentary now oh 
That's right. Mm. Season two kicks off tonight. It's a look at uh, apparently it's a look at how the 1992 Ohio gubernatorial race could have gone. Oh, so <laughs> how did that one work out? Yeah. So whatever. This should be once again very interesting. I don't know any of the shit they're ever talking about, but that show is just uh, just hilarious. Uh, Bill Hader and uh, your guy from Portlandia. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, um, Oh, oh, I could not remember his name all of a sudden. Oh, but I know exactly who you're yeah. oh. um, the Saturday it's, it's like, Yeah, it's right there. Anyway. Anyway, but uh, those are the two I'm really looking forward to. And I, I'm sure there's some others out there I haven't thought about. But uh, welcome back, TV. Yay, TV. Speaking of welcoming back, TV, uh, by the time we get to our next podcast... Uh, we will have had a start of season four of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, season four is kicking off and Ghost Rider is coming to the show. Not Nicolas Cage, though. Thank God. Are you uh, they're sure? going. <laughs> oh, Nicolas Cage. We really got to watch Face Off one day. Um, but it's it's promising to be very good. This is a show that has, in my opinion, gotten progressively better every season, uh, starting with a pretty good season one middling to good season one and has gotten much better over the last two seasons. Uh, so very excited to see how they'll rope in Ghost Rider because it's been a show that's been trying to be more of the scientific side of the comics. And Ghost Rider is a guy with a literal flaming skull. So that's going to be very interesting to see how they try to explain that one away. Love flaming skulls. They're so awesome. You might almost expect a flaming skull to be the artwork on a wrestler's outfit and and what better way to talk about wrestling outfits than to get so raw, Wes? One more thing to throw into the watch now. Uh, as sure. as we pod in, we are under thirty minutes away from season six of The Walking Dead hitting Netflix. No, oh, there you go. Well, actually, you're. I think you're three and a half hours away. Uh, I thought it was at midnight. I thought they said I, it was at midnight. I think they do midnight Pacific time. Oh, well, whatever. I'm not going to be able to watch it night anyway. So <laughs> the entire weekend at my house has already been designated as walking dead weekend. So Fantastic. <laughs> the boy is excited. He, they actually turned down a chance to go to the beach this weekend to watch season six. Of the Walk. That's big. I, from the stories you've told me about the boy, that's huge. So, uh, yeah, turn down all-star baseball for the beach and turn on the beach for walking dead. So, Times. Makes sense. All right, Ed. This week, a uh, pretty big episode of uh, So Raw as we kick off with our first SmackDown exclusive pay per view on uh, Sunday night, Ned. That's SmackDown exclusive. Mm. I was waiting for you to add the exclusive. Oh, exclusive. Thank you. You do that so well on the uh, on the All New Sports Show. Sorry, Internet. I wasn't ready for it. <clears throat> That's why I came back to it. But anyway. Um, it was a big show, Backlash, coming to you from Richmond, Virginia, uh, a place near and dear to the heart of One Egg Green. Yes. Um, so they come to you from Richmond. It was it was a good show. Big thing with it is we were crowning new uh, first-time-ever SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions also crowned. We kicked the match off with a Women's Six-Pack Challenge. Um <clears throat> Kind of expected that Becky Lynch was going to win this championship, and she did win it. Um, no complaints at all. I don't think from anyone. She is, uh, she's right there on the same level with the the Charlottes, the Bailey's, the Sasha Banks. She's right there with them. 
Uh, and she's definitely the best uh, female wrestler on the SmackDown roster. So good to see her get the win. Uh, good inaugural champion on that. Um, as for the tag team titles, <clears throat> uh, the, the running storyline over the last few weeks has been that if Heath Slater could win the tag team tournament with a partner, that he would get a, uh, a SmackDown contract. He, he, was, he was calling himself the hottest free agent in sports entertainment. Uh, he was basically just the last guy who was not drafted on either brand. Mm. So good times there. But uh, he and Rhino actually do go on to win the championships. They beat the now heel uh, tag team duo of the Usos, who have, uh, who have turned into full-fledged bad guys in. No more face paint, no more colorful... Uh, no more colorful uh, ring gear. No more haka dance before they come down to the ring. They're just, they're bad. They're mean. Bad to the bone. Bad to the bone. We don't have to pay for that now, do we? No. Good. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Slater and Rado win. Slater gets his contract. Uh, we'll mention that again when we talk about SmackDown, the breakdown. Um the Miz and Dolph Ziggler, I thought, had a really good match for the Intercontinental title. <clears throat> Miz has been hot lately due to his um, due to his uh, fight with Daniel Bryan. Verbal fight, of course, because Daniel Bryan, of course, cannot do anything physical in the ring, which has been part of the war here. Um, really, really good between Miz and Ziggler, which is a, a match that we've seen. God. I can't even tell you how many times we've seen that match. I mean, just since I started back watching wrestling, it seems like I've seen it a thousand times. And I remember when we started watching that, people were already sick of that matchup. <laughs> so, uh, but they, they put on a good show. Miz retains the Intercontinental title with his uh, wife, Maurice, the lovely Maurice Oulet, uh, spraying Dolph in the face with some hairspray. Truly 80s old school heel move. Because they loved hairspray in the eighties. Well, it was, it was just that in the eighties you had your, you know, you had your beautiful female valet, your female manager, and when things got rough, you know, usually she'd pull something out of her purse and spray something somebody in the eye or something. You know, and it's it's old school cheating at its finest. You know, cheating to gain your advantage in men. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. Um, Match of the night, WWE World Heavyweight Championship, AJ Styles challenging the champion, Dean Ambrose. Um, it was good. It was very good at the end of it. Styles being a cheating villain that he is. Uh, when the ref is not looking, is not down, not looking, he hits Ambrose in the dick. Nice. Punched him square in the dick hole. So <laughs> gets the one, two, uh, hits him with a Styles Clash, one, two, three. Um, so AJ Styles and, and just, if you understand the background, the history, everything with wrestling, um, the fact that AJ Styles in the year 2016 is the WWE world heavyweight champion is just mind boggling. I mean, this Great guy crap. who, you know, 10 years ago was the face of TNA, uh, and at that point, Vince McMahon had wanted nothing to do with TNA wrestlers because they just weren't good enough for him. Um, you know, this is a guy who is about 5'10", 5'11". He's not your big bodybuilder, you know, 6'5", 6'3", Greek god type. Mm -hmm. 
He's just a fantastic wrestler. He's a fantastic entertainer. I think he's the best in the world right now. And he's the world champion. And when you add to the fact that uh, the champion on your other show is Kevin Owens, who is another one of those what they call indie darlings, uh, this is absolutely a new era for WWE. I mean, it is... uh, it's just like I said, ten, 10 years ago, if you had said that, you know, at that time, AJ Styles and at that time, Kevin Steen were going to be the champions of WWE, I think, you know, people would have been asking to take your head temperature because you obviously were having a fever-induced nightmare. <laughs> so it's awesome, though. So that's how SmackDown went off the air, uh, or how SmackDown's pay-per-view went off the air. I'm going to throw real quick, we're going to throw SmackDown in here real quick. Um we uh we're going to get a oh god crap was it a triple threat it, it looks like we're building toward a triple threat at the next pay-per-view yes we are going to get triple threat it's going to be uh um styles defending against uh ambrose and the returning john cena because you know john cena's back and john cena after two years of not doing anything around the world title has decided that you know he's he, he wants to tie Nature Boy Ric Flair for 16-time World Heavyweight Champion, and there's no better time to do it than right now. So better place um, than here, what better <laughs> time than now? So basically, every either anti-John Cena or AJ Styles fan is absolutely terrified right now that 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 scene is just going to come in and take Styles' belt. Yeah, <laughs> because you know. Vince McMahon still lives. So there's a damn good chance that could happen. Um, <clears throat> that, that's the biggest thing from SmackDown. That's all I'm really going to talk about from the SmackDown side. Uh, Raw Monday night. Oh, I'm coming to you on Raw. I did not get to watch all of Raw because, of course, you and I were together on Monday night and we yeah. got home late <laughs> because we did football Monday. Um, the biggest thing that happened on Raw, and I'll just I'll give you a short Raw recap. Um Big thing that happened on Raw was um, Kevin Owens ended up defeating uh, Roman Reigns in their match, which keeps Reigns out of the triple threat match, or, or keeps keeps him out of the championship match coming up in a couple weeks at the pay per view. Where if he had won, it would have become a triple threat between he, Rollins, and Owens. Um, Rollins actually came out and initially got. Uh, got a disqualification to the initial match, but mm-hmm. then McFoley came down and restarted it. And uh, it looks like he and he and Rollins are having major, major problems together right now. Um, so Rollins, I don't know if Rollins is going to get the belt before then, but it looks like we're building toward an inevitable Rollins triple H match, which will probably happen at WrestleMania because that's kind of the only place that Triple H is deciding to wrestle anymore. Oh. Can't really blame him. But I believe that's going to be the long-term build. <clears throat> so I don't know if they're going to put the title on him anytime soon. But right now he does have a one-on-one with Kevin Owens at the uh, pay-per-view coming up in a couple of weeks. So we will see how that goes. Um Uh, Rusev came back. It actually ended up costing Reigns the match uh, after the restart. So Rusev is back. It looks like he and Reigns are going to continue their uh, their United States Championship feud, which is actually, that's about the best I've seen Reigns. So I'm glad he's back. That'll be good for everybody. 
tag titles. Uh, we are set up for the New Day versus Gallows and Anderson. Of course, you know I'm pulling for Gallows and Anderson in that one. Of course. Because we throw two sweets. Um, all the really cool shit's happening in Ring of Honor where, Adam, where apparently everyone hates Adam Cole. Oh. Everyone wants Adam Cole's title. I mean, except for his brethren in the Bullet Club, of course. Uh, but every other big time contender in Ring of Honor is taking center shot at Adam Cole. And uh, I'm going to tell you, man, right now, I, th- I think that's the best storyline going in wrestling is Adam Cole with the Ring of Honor world title. But anyway, that's not raw. That's not WWE related. I just throw it in every now and then. And Ed Green, since I'm about to lose my voice, that will conclude tonight's and that will about conclude this episode of the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 124. Thank you so much for joining us here this week as we ran through a latest edition of the Premier League and the Champions. Uh, next week, we'll be bringing you plenty more of the Premier League as we go through on match week five. And that's where we already are. Oh, there's 30, 33 match weeks to go. I'm already dreading the end. We'll, of course, have also a little quick recap of Europa League and more news and notes for you guys as well. We also would like to thank NGSC Sports, I'm Next USA, and I am Empower for sponsoring the podcast. You can find them on Twitter, uh, the uh, at, at uh, NGSC Sports, at I'm Next USA, and at uh, Christy Rojas 11. On Twitter, we are at AFA Pod, Wes, you are at Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our sister show, The All New Sports Show. You can also email us, allnewsports.gmail.com, and you can mail us letters and parcels to 1701 Cincinnati Avenue, Switch 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. I want to give one more shout also to all our podcast providers, including the iTunes Music Store, Google Play Music, Podbean.com, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, and much, much more. So, Wes, before we get out of here, anything else to add? Uh, high school football season is in full, full, full swing. Uh, we've got our, I believe, fifth match of the year already. Yeah. That's right. This is week five for us. So, uh, that's awesome. Um, earn that in. Uh, the Red Sox trying to close out the American League East. They tried. And uh, we, uh, we, uh, we obviously, over the weekend, threw a kiss of death on Rick Porcella. Yep. After we said he's the anti-Pedro, he goes out and loses 1-0 tonight. Yeah. Damn Perfect. Us. Why the hell do we speak? Well, that's it. No more talking baseball until December. Literally zero until, until November 2nd when the we, Red we, Sox hope. When we win the World yeah. Series. <laughs> exactly. No more talking. Also, big shout-out to the state of North Carolina. Thanks. Just, you guys are swell. You guys are the best. Ed's mad because he didn't get to go to his baseball tournament anymore. Well, we we have, what, like six, seven, eight months to fix it? Fifth, uh, or you just eight get, months. Or you just get ready to go to Fenway. <sighs> you liked that idea, didn't you? Well, I mean, I love the idea when they first had it. I mean, yeah, it me, is, me too, actually. It, it, is the, it is the ultimate silver lining to taking it out of Durham. Yeah. I mean, that's the only other place that would be worth saying, well, you know, if you're not going to have it here, okay, because at least you can have it here. Yeah, because and then you basically make Boston College the the, the quote-unquote host. Oh, so I mean, it's, it's amazing if that happens. It's oh, I would love it. 
and I will be flying up there. Um, and maybe even so will McCollin Crime West Bradshaw. Hell, maybe we're going to do a live uh, a Foreign Affair podcast from there. But until then, maybe you guys... Maybe you can get up with Mr. Henry and Miss Pizzuti. <sighs> And, uh, oh. and make it an extra Liverpool podcast. Oh, that would be great. I would love to talk to him and get some free Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Um, so for my call on crime, Wes Bradshaw, I'm Evergreen. Stay safe, everybody, and enjoy this week's football. And Man United, enjoy Feyenoord. That's right. Good night, Belgium. Because, you know, Leicester hasn't made it. Yeah, they, they haven't gone to sleep yet, probably. Their, their fans are very much still enjoying the party. See muscles from Brussels. Mm. dad is not happy. next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You have the power to create the life you want. How? Visit the web store on www.iempower.com to find out more. That's i em-power.com you're listening to ngse sports radio hear us live on ngse sports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, spreaker itunes tune in and much more for our latest videos head to ngse sports youtube channel follow us on twitter at ngse sports and like us on facebook ngse sports We never stop.